Good evening. I hope everyone had a great day and a great weekend, holiday weekend. Um, like getting back into the swing of things. And yeah, uh, the weather in Boston, it's kind of crappy. It's, it's been raining and um, it's getting, it's supposed to be like cooler for the rest of the week. So definitely like fall weather coming in. Um, so kind of like sad about that. Bye bye summer. But uh, just make the most of it, obviously. Um, and so I, I had a great weekend and got some rest, like mental rest to be honest like I really didn't do too much just took time to like relax my body which was great and um in preparation of just because work is going to be busy for me honestly for the rest of the year um so I'll do my best to still record as much as I can and and stick to that promise um because I do have a lot of still have some interviews that I need to do I really need to actually work on that and um just more topics that I want to discuss and so I know I think I mentioned it before that I've been going to therapy and I've like I found a a therapist that works for me because my other therapist she said she worked like no lie but it just because I switched my job um you know how the insurance situation goes so I had to find somebody new and this lady she she's great like she she's really great she um definitely helps me dissect things more and so we talked about emotional availability and vulnerability and um, helped me a little bit with that. And so I wanted to share not necessarily what I talked about in my session, but emotional intelligence and emotional availability. And there was a post that I saw on Instagram and I just today in the mail, a book came that I purchased um, that I honestly forgot I got it, but from Amazon. And it's called 101 Essays That Will Change the Way You Think by Brianna Weist. And I saw it on a TikTok. I believe it's a TikTok that I've shared on the Black Hippie Lounge um, podcast page on Instagram. But it's pretty great and so far. And um, I want to yeah so I'm gonna talk about there's a there's some posts in here and not posts but essays in here that I'm gonna talk about um that ties into the idea of just being um emotionally available and vulnerable and I think I've done an episode on this before but I I just wanted to kind of talk about it again so I'll first start, start off with the Instagram post that I saw and it's from this page it's I've been that girl too and so she ta- starts off by like her first post is becoming more emotionally available for me looked like well, this is according to her. So obviously everybody's different. See, takes what resonates. So the first thing she says is having more compassion for myself and my emotions. I grew up in a household where I could never express myself. I was always called a crybaby and really had no one to be there for me emotionally. So I learned to keep my emotions to myself. So this one, I definitely could understand because I think that's like, I feel like that's partially culturally too, because I just feel like a lot of black or Caribbean or just some form of, you know, I don't know about Spanish people. I'm not really sure about them, but um, probably maybe. Um, And I, I know like, 
probably in Asian cultures as well, or anyone with like POC, really. Um, I'm sure some some white people too, but um, when a lot of those times in those type of households, you are taught to be strong and you are taught to like not cry and be emotional because you because I think that it comes from just from historically, you know, like as slaves and stuff or just within society, you weren't allowed to be emotional. You weren't allowed to have a bad day or be sad or anything or be angry or nothing. Like you had to be whatever um, they wanted you to be. So I think that a lot of times it comes from a space of just trying to protect your child um, from the world because a lot of times when you are emotional or you are someone who you know cries or something like that you are going to be it's going to be viewed as a negative at in a negative sense a lot of the times so especially if you're a male and sometimes for women too but um so I think that it's just kind of inherited in us to not be emotional and and stuff like that but that's also like stunts your growth as a as a as a person because you are supposed to be emotional like that's why we have them that's why we have the ability to cry to laugh to get angry to get anxious you know worried stuff like that that's it's there for a reason it's helps you navigate through life so I think that as you get older just learning how to have more compassion for yourself because I've seen I've even noticed it in myself sometimes of I think I've talked about this before like not allowing myself to cry or not allowing myself to be sad and um, tending to distract myself by being busy. And I, this, um, I feel like before when this happened, um, this was like around 2019 when a lot of things were going on and I was initially going through my spiritual awakening. Uh, I just was distracting myself by going out and having fun a lot. And then uh, around this time, um, I had to start dealing with my emotions, dealing with like from a breakup and just a lot of life changes that were happening that I wasn't quite um, sure of and understanding. And so now as that same thing is happening now, I'm not going through a breakup, but I'm more so in a space where um, emotionally I'm done with school. So that's no, no longer a distraction for me to be able to tap into myself of like where I am and where I want to be and my goals and just also um as a woman and in a dating in the dating world like what type of person do I want to be as well and especially within my next relationship like what do I want to do um and that's one of the main things is definitely being more emotionally available and vulnerable um, that's something that I definitely struggle with. So I think that therapy should definitely going to help me with that. And just, um, you can help yourself too, right? I'm sure I'm not the only person who deals with that. So, um, just learning how to, to be patient with yourself and have compassion for yourself. I believe that that can be a way for you to even become more vulnerable because you're being so compassionate with yourself. You kind of tending to your inner child because maybe you felt like you didn't get that as a kid. 
Um, if you weren't nurtured as much as a kid or you weren't allowed to have certain emotions, when you are an adult, you can parent yourself and say, no, it's okay to cry. It's okay to have a bad day today. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to not know and be worried or whatever the, the emotion may be, right? So that, and, and also learning not to keep your emotions to yourself, like it says, because a lot of times, you know, you think about like as a kid, you know, like you start crying, like what, what are you crying for? right? Well, you know, I'm sad. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> or you, you just beat me. So why wouldn't I cry? Like, that's just like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like, those are things that you weren't allowed to feel. And so as you get older, you kind of learn to suppress it. And that sucks because in relationships, you can't be like that. Like if someone, if your partner does something to you that you don't like, you can't just hold it in. You got to talk about it. And sometimes I think that people, when they, when they are you know, experience that as a kid, it's like one or two things. They're either going to be super emotional or they're going to be like not emotional at all, right? Especially within relationships. And that's either way is not great. So like it says, number one, just being able to be more compassionate with yourself. Um, What else did she say? She said, I was raised by emotionally unavailable and emotionally unstable parents. So healing for me meant getting back to who I originally was before my parents changed me into someone that was more like them. Um, yeah, for sure. If you're, if you're raised by parents who are emotionally unavailable, um, and unstable, then that definitely impacts you and it can stunt your growth, you know, your emotional growth. Um, because on like, it's probably no fault to them, but well, I guess partially, but if they were raised in a home where their parents weren't emotionally available and they were unstable, then it's just, I feel, I feel like for me, that's like maybe 80% on their upbringing. But the other 20% is like you as an adult, you have to make that conscious effort to say, I'm going to do better than what I grew up in. And so when you in when you catch yourself in a in the habit of what maybe your parents did, you have to be compassionate with yourself, but still be aware. Like, okay, this is what I, I can't do this, and it's not even just with parenting. It's just in general. Like, at how do you handle your emotions? How do you handle your emotions and compassion for yourself and for others? Um, so that's just I feel like that's a con- subconscious thing or a conscious thing to be aware of. And that just takes that takes a lot of work, that shadow work, you know. And so everyone doesn't want to elevate there and do that work. So it's it's really a, it's a personal choice, in my opinion. Um, but like she said, if you are raised in that type of household with those type of parenting, it's definitely going to be hard for you to 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 be emotionally available. If you grew up with parents who, you know, they didn't really ask you how you feel or ask your opinion on things or they were unstable and unpredictable with their emotions like you didn't know what you were going to get right then you kind of learn how to just you can't when you have a parent who you don't know what you're going to get you as a child you can't really be like I don't want to say be yourself, but you, you're not really allowed to explore your emotions, your own self, because you got to always be on alert of what, what you're going to 
get from that parent, if that makes sense. Like, if you don't know if your parent one day, you know, they might be nice one day and the next day they, you might just go off on you for nothing. You don't know. And going off can mean so many different things. So if you had to always be on alert and just be ready for whatever, then you're not really allowing yourself to be in tune with yourself and your own emotions because you're so focused on someone else's emotions. Um, and that, that's what I think it means by saying like emotionally unstable parents. Like if you grew up in a household where there was abuse, right? The, you don't really, you typically, you're not going to know what you're going to get from that abuser. One day they could be cool. And the next day they get, they just go crazy. Right. Or they might go, if you have parents that are mentally, mentally ill, I remember there was this, um, the podcast I was listening to, she was saying how her mom has had, um, she's bipolar. And so some days like she had to grow up very early because there were times when her mom was in a, like in a manic or a, a depression state for weeks and she wouldn't come out of her room and she's like nine years old and she got siblings and stuff and they got to eat. Right. So they all have to pretty much learn how to be on their own. And so that's kind of what it means by emotionally unstable because even though that their mom was on on medication like sometimes you know she might not have taken the medication or she just was in that state and there's nothing that a child can do about an adult being in that state um so that's what it kind of means as far as like an example of an emotionally unstable parent so number two it says allowing myself to cry this sounds so simple but you'd be surprised of how much you're suppressing your tears. I used to be so embarrassed to cry, even happy tears. Now I let the tears fall. I feel so much better afterwards. See, this is what I'm talking about. This is like my main one right here. Like I've talked about this before, like allowing myself to cry. Like I I used to get mad low key, like literally mad at myself. Like, why are you crying? (laughs) But like, if you think about it, that's like the, that's like what you might've heard growing up. Like, why are you crying? What are you crying for? What are you crying for? It's like, sometimes, you know what? I don't know what I'm crying for. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Like, you know, but, um, and even happy tears, like you can have happy tears. I remember that happened to me. I don't even know, maybe once or twice that I've cried happy tears, um, in my life and that I can at least remember. And I remember when it was happening, I, I, I felt so uncomfortable because I didn't understand why, why would I be crying for happiness? You know what I mean? But I think it was because, you know, I think back that like, that's a part of like when you're suppressed emotions, you just don't even know, you can't even understand that simple thing, right? So now it's saying, allow yourself to cry, let yourself to, to, to feel. Number three, but emotional connections with people I felt safe being vulnerable with. Oh, excuse me. Built com- emotional connections with people I felt safe being vulnerable with. My f- group of friends make me feel the safest to cry and be vulnerable. I remember the first time I cried in front of them. I felt so embarrassed, but they instantly showed me nothing but grace and compassion. They never judged me or made me feel crazy for crying. They made me realize that it was okay to cry. Now we always have girls night at least once a month where we really we just relate and release and cry if we have to. I love it. I initially cried for the first time in front of my best friend after a bad breakup. I was trying so hard to be tough in front of her, but she just hugged me up and I started bawling like a baby. That right there was my initial emotional availability breakthrough. So this one definitely 
when you have a great group of friends or just people that are close to you that you can be vulnerable with because if you think about it at least for me my friends I talk to my friends on a daily basis if not daily then at least every other day so if I can't be vulnerable with these people how can I learn to be vulnerable with a a future partner right because this future partner or partner whatever would be one would hope your friend first right so I think what she's saying is great like being able to build really emotional and 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 really strong and positive emotional connections with your friends could be the first step because you learn to have those uncomfortable conversations with them and they're kind of like I guess kind of like in a sense your test dummies because if you learn like okay she did something I don't like it or he did something whatever I don't like how that made me feel or they they disrespected me or I didn't whatever whatever the case may be when you learn how to have a proper conversation with someone and bring it up and explain yourself and come to a resolution then I feel like that makes it so much easier for you to go into a relationship being able to do that as well because you've already practiced it and you even you're okay with whatever the outcome may be and so I think that a lot of times we we don't do that with our friends right we we you hear the stories of like oh this person or that one stopped talking but they they because of something that happened that really probably they never really had a a, an adult mature conversation about the situation instead they went to the other people to talk about it or they just shut down or just block them like this whole culture of just blocking people I, i i don't knock it because i understand but I think that, like I always say, have a conversation first. And if you're not getting the result that you want, then make your decision. And so I think that like what they're saying, this post is saying, is just like learning to build those strong emotional connections with your friends is definitely, definitely number one. Because if you could do that, you should be able to build that with a, a significant other as well. And be able to come to that person without feeling like, oh, you know, I don't know if I had to say this or something like you, you'll be able to just be comfortable in your in your own words and what you have to say in your emotions. That's what it is, being comfortable in your own emotions um, to be able to express yourself. And so number four, it says, if I feel some pent up feelings or emotions, I write out in my journal, what's wrong? Then I proceed to write all of my feelings. It works. Doing this was the first doing this was the first time I realized I was being self-negligent and finally did something about it. It changed my life, honestly. I remember writing out how I felt. I was being everything to everyone else, including my job, but nothing to myself. I felt like I was having to be the strong one and push through when the truth was, <coughs> excuse me, I was tired and getting weak. I learned it's okay to be weak sometimes. After that, I took a short-term disability leave from work for almost a year. Hmm, interesting. And saw a mental health professional and worked on my stuff. Um, actually, well, what? Okay, uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm still kind of the... <laughs> thinking about the short-term disability leave that's actually a good idea um she said (laughs) she went to see a mental health professional and worked on her shit okay now I always put me first I can never let myself get down bad like that again so um like she said writing out 
um, and, you know, talk to yourself. <laughs> like, if you have to, if you don't want to write it out, like, ask yourself what's wrong and just talk about it. Even if you use your notes, sometimes, even for me, like, I get lazy. I don't want to use the notes app, but I'll send myself a voice note <laughs> about whatever I need it, whatever I have to say or what I feel or something like that. Um, or just send yourself a text or something like that, or just write it out, like she said. But don't, like she said, you got to take care of you first. Um, most most importantly because you can't be there for somebody else or present yourself in the best manner for someone else if you're not even doing that for yourself you're not taking care of yourself um and when you get tired and it's okay like you said to be weak sometimes right but you gotta take care of yourself so that you don't have to get into that state So number five, not feeling ashamed for anything I've been through or currently going through. I'm human and I have to remind myself of that. Shame will make you emotionally unavailable because then you feel like you have to hide who you are. You don't. Oof, that's, yeah, that's true. Because if you, especially if you grew up in a household where you were ashamed for certain emotions... Like, like it said in the beginning, like being called a crybaby, then you end up, you are going to hide who you, you essentially you're hiding who you are because you are your emotions. You, that makes up, that makes who, that makes you who you are. So if you feel like you have to hide your emotions and you're not being your real self and you're not living your truth. So yeah, for sure. (laughs) Don't be ashamed of who you are and what you feel at all. Number six, I stopped dating or associating with emotionally unavailable people. People like that, (coughs) excuse me, make me anxious and make me feel like I can't freely express myself or my emotions. I feel like I'm too much for them to handle or they will make me feel like that little girl that was labeled a crybaby by her parents. Not to mention those types of people are not fully self-aware or comfortable with being close or sharing feelings and that's what I'm all about now. I'm not for forcing anyone to connect on a deeper level level anymore. So, um, yeah, that was the last one. And that one's very true. You you have to make sure that you are, if you are on a spiritual journey and you're on a, on a path of growth, then you have to honor that growth and you have to honor your new version of yourself and the new, um, improved emotionally whatever physically whatever way um self and make sure you make better choices whether it be what you eat what you drink how what you tell yourself about yourself um how you talk to yourself how you treat yourself and part of treating yourself is who you allow yourself to be around and to be in your space and in your energy i'm very big on that um especially lately like i even when it comes to something as it might sound simple but like I haven't had anyone in my home in probably months because besides like family or something like that, but, um, you know, or just even sharing yourself with someone, whether that be sexually, emotionally, romantically, any type of way, mentally, just emotionally, spiritually, like just protect your energy and, um, you know, make sure that the people that you are giving yourself to in any aspect have the capacity to receive you that's a big thing because some people just can't 
it's not like an ego thing, but they can't handle you because they don't even, they can't even, they haven't taken the time to handle themselves. And if they don't know how to handle themselves, then they don't know how to teach you how to handle them. And if they can't teach you how to handle them, they definitely can't even comprehend, let alone understand how to treat you and how to handle you, right? Because they, they, they're just, they're not, they're not there. And so being able to recognize that and, and what that means for you and your growth um, is very important. So those are the posts that were on the Instagram. And so now I want to talk about the thing from the book. So like I said, the book is called 101 Essays That Will Change the Way You Think. And so this first essay is 10 Things Emotionally Intelligent People Do Not Do. Okay, so I'll just read the whole thing, I guess. Um, I'm not going to break them down because it's time-wise. So it says, Emotional intelligence is probably the most powerful yet undervalued trait in our society. We believe in rooting our everyday functions and logic and reason, yet we come to the same conclusions after long periods of contemplation as we do in the blink of an eye. Our leaders sorely overlook the human element of our socio-political issues, and I need not cite the divorce rate for you to believe that we're not choosing the right partners, nor do we have the the capacity to sustain intimate relationships for long periods of time. It seems people believe the most intelligent thing to do is not have emotions at all. To be effective is to be a machine, a product of the age, a well-oiled consumerist serving digitally attuned, highly unaware, but overtly operational robot. And so we suffer. Here are the habits of the people who have the capacity to be aware of what they feel, who know how to express, process, dismantle, and adjust their experiences as they are their own locus of control. They are the true leaders. They are living the most whole and genuine lives, and it is from them that we should take a cue. These are the things that emotionally intelligent people do not do. Number one. They don't assume that the way they think and feel about a situation is the way it is in reality, nor how how it will turn out in the end. Uh, number two, their emotional base points are not external. Number three, they don't assume to know what it is that will make them truly happy. Interesting. Number four, they don't think that being fearful is a sign they are on the wrong path. Ooh, that is a good one. That is a, a great one. <laughs> um, and there's excerpts underneath, but like I said, time-wise, I can't go through all that. Maybe in another episode. If you really want me to do it, let me know and I'll, and I'll go through it um, in another episode. But number four was hidden. They don't think that being fearful is a sign they're on the wrong path. Uh, number five, <laughs> they know that happiness is a choice, but they don't feel the need to make it all the time. That was like the one I'm talking about, like allowing yourself to be sad mad, angry, whatever. Number six, they don't allow their thoughts to be chosen for them. Oof. Be your own person. Number seven, they recognize that infallible composure is not emotional intelligence. Number eight, they know that a feeling will not kill them. Number nine, they don't just become close friends with anyone. Mm. And number 10, they don't confuse a bad feeling for a bad life. 
So like I said, there's excerpts underneath those that were great to explain what it means in further depth. There's one more um, essay that I wanted to talk about. It's things emotionally healthy people know how to do. Let me read it before, we run out of, before I run out of time. Things emotionally healthy people know how to do. Of all the health concerns our culture claims to be concerned about, it is perhaps our emotional health that is most severely neglected. It's not the same thing as mental health. We're comfortable talking about our recurring headaches as we don't feel their presence make a statement about us. They're dissociated from who we believe ourselves to be, but we know our emotions are a result of who and how we are. And in a desperate plight to preserve the sanctity of our self-idea, we hide. Ironically, that's where the trouble comes from, comes in. It's the parts of us we suppress and ignore that are the parts that become silent, insidious, controlling monsters. It's referred to in psychology as shadow selves. Like I said, shadow work. <clears throat> it's talking about how one gets from there to here at the place of emotional health is another topic altogether and would require books worth of writing to fully flesh out. So in the meantime, I gather the 10 elements of an emotionally healthy person. This hypothetical hybrid of positivity probably doesn't exist, but these are nonetheless worth considering and maybe striving for. So number one, emotionally healthy people know how to listen to their pain. Number two, they know how to observe thoughts objectively and not identify with them. Number three, they can see within them the things they dislike in others. Oh, dang. That's a, that is a, that's a good one. That is a good one. Because if you think about it, a lot of the times the people that we come across in life that are teaching us lessons is usually their behaviors and what they mirror something in you that you need to recognize within yourself that you either need to um, improve or you need to let go of, um, especially when it comes to emotions. Like if you are dating, like I said, like she said, you dating emotionally unavailable people and consistently, it's because you're emotionally unavailable yourself and you probably don't see that in yourself. And once you start to take the time to see it in other, the person that you're dating, then you can be able to, to recognize it in yourself and then work on yourself to to do better to become more emotionally available and then it's up to that person if they want to take that steps as well or that just means that that's not the right person for you so that that was a great one um again i said they can see within them the things that they dislike in others number four they're able to differentiate loving someone something versus loving the idea of it <clears throat> to be conscious of why they desire something, not just that they desire it. That's a good one because a lot of times if you are in a space where you're like, oh, I want to be in a relationship, I want to be in a relationship. Why? Why do you want to be in a relationship? Is it just the idea of being in a relationship or is it something about something that you truly desire? And it could be for anything, but that's just an example. Okay, number five, they know when it's time to break up with a friend. Whew. Um, number six, they live minimally, not, but I'm sorry, repeat. I'm not really reading well today. I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) Number six, they live minimally, but realistically. 
Mm. I want I want to dissect that one a little bit just because emotionally healthy people know that no physical acquisition can shock them into feeling what they desire, not for more than a moment anyway. So they forego the rat race and learn to be grounded in the simplicity of life. They want not and waste not, keep in their space only things that are meaningful or useful. They are mindful and intentional, grateful and wise with what they consume and keep. That is great because I think it's what it's trying to say is like not allowing people or things or situations to sway your, to determine your emotions for you. You still have the right to, you still have control of your emotions. Like, even if you say, like I said, I started switching your words saying, oh, this person may be angry. No, this person did this and I responded with anger or I became angry or I was, I was angry. Like taking ownership and taking accountability for your emotions because nobody can make you feel something. Only you can do that. And even if it's just momentarily like, oh, okay, you scared me or that scared me, but now I'm not scared. You know what I'm saying? Like just taking ownership and control of your emotions because it's only it's your emotions number seven they can be alone i'll read that one too when you find in solitude what you find in solitude is perspective when you're not in the presence of people with whom you must monitor your reactions and choose your sentences wisely you can let yourself just be is why we find it most profoundly relaxing and why emotionally healthy people practice it often when there's nobody else around for whom you must tailor your emotions you can experience them fully i wholeheartedly definitely agree with this especially living alone and just being more on my own and being single and just um you know not choosing to wallow in any type of you know emotions and allowing yourself to still emotion feel those emotions but come being there for yourself um and learning to love yourself and be be in your own favorite company Number eight, they let themselves feel. Um, Like I've been talking about, just let yourself feel. That's emotionally healthy um, versus suppressing your emotions. Number nine, they do not attach to any one outcome being good or right. I'm going to read that one too. It says, the moment you decide one outcome is the right outcome, you are also deciding that another outcome is the wrong one. Beyond this, some things work out the way we intend for them to. Others don't. This is a gift too. Um, I think I talked about this quite often. Divine timing, divine intervention, things going the way according to God's plan. Um, practicing faith and being more... You got to be more eager for what God has for you than what you have for yourself. And when you live your life that way and you don't attach yourself to any one outcome being good or the right one for you, rather than just being open to whatever God feels is for you, that's that's great emotional emotional uh, intelligence. Um, and number 10, they see the value and purpose of each and every experience, good or bad. Um that's a long excerpt, so I don't want to read that whole thing because it's, it's it's time-wise. But hopefully this was helpful. Uh, I'm definitely about to, to dive into this book because I just got it today. Um, but I just happened to find those two essays and, and, you know, to pertain to what I wanted to talk about. So I'm going to take a picture of it and post it on Instagram as well if people want to buy it. I believe she's a black uh, author as well. She might be young as well. Um, 
let me check real quick but i feel like she is because i think that's what the girl on what's it called what is that thing called um oh never mind she's white um (laughs) um what is it called dang tiktok said um dang she I thought, I mean, I don't care, whatever. But I just, I thought the girl said, <laughs> I thought the girl said it was a black author. Whatever. Anyway, she's, um, the, it's a hundred essays. Um, <laughs> don't mind me. Uh, <laughs> um, but they seem really good so far. I got, like I said, I got it from Amazon, I believe. It's a thick book. I mean, it's a hundred and, hundred and one essays. So I would, that would make sense. But, uh, yeah, so it's a great, it's a great book so far. I'm definitely going to probably have more excerpts from it to share with you guys um so hopefully you you enjoyed this episode it was helpful insightful got a laugh out of it whatever um learn some information about yourself and your emotional availability i will post it on instagram so you guys can see what i was reading like the different excerpts from instagram um and i'll post the book and hope you have a great rest of the week um let me think um follow the podcast on instagram twitter at black hippie lounge and and tiktok at black hippie lounge and rate and review the podcast um and as always i'm your host chanel thank you for listening thank you thank you thank you um meditate manifest invest in you and hmm, what I want to say, because I feel like I always leave with like a be blessed or something like that, right? Uh, I think I'm going to say, like I always, like I've been saying, stay 10 toes down. It's not in, it's not on you, it's in you. Um, and yeah, that's all I got to say. <laughs> uh, shoot, um, drop my phone. Um, but yeah, stay, stay fresh. (laughs) Meditate, manifest, invest in you. Join me on my spiritual journey as I elevate myself and like-minded listeners to a higher level mentally, physically, and spiritually. Thank you for listening. This is Black Hippie Lounge. And I am your host, Chanel.